Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. The Glasgow Times on Thursday, the 3rd of November, 2022. Body found in Bear's Den as police swarm Kilmardini Lock. An article written by Kirsty Ferrick. Police have swarmed Kilmardini Lock after a body was found in Bear's Den. A 59-year-old man was sadly discovered dead after the alarm was raised at around 9.55am this morning. Pictures showed police vans and fire engines at the scene as investigators continued. It is understood there are no suspicious circumstances linked to the incident. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, We received a report of a concern for a person in Bears Den area around 9.55am on Thursday the 3rd of November. Inquiries were carried out and the body of a 59-year-old man was found at Colmardini Lock. There are no apparent suspicious circumstances and a report will be sent to the Procurator Fiscal in due course. That article is from the Glasgow Times and written by Kirsty Fierick. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 3rd of the 11th, 2022. Extinction Rebellion protest outside J.P. Morgan in Glasgow City Centre. An article written by Sarah Campbell and read by me, Corey. Climate activists held a silent protest in Glasgow City Centre today on the anniversary of COP26. The first wave campaigners made their way to the J.P. Morgan building on Waterloo Street at the break of dawn with banners bearing slogans including J.P. Morgan, World's Dirtiest Bank and Greenwash Won't Wash. Four members of the group locked themselves to an oil barrel with J.P. Morgan written on it at the main entrance to the bank's offices. Later in this morning's performance, protesters named the Oil Slicks arrived at the scene cutting a dramatic figure dressed head to toe in black with ash-like face paint. The group said that today's actions was planned to demand an end to JP Morgan's funding of the climate crisis and to highlight the failure of the COP process. During the COP26 climate change talks, which took place in Glasgow last November, Extinction Rebellion protested every day at J.P. Morgan's offices in the city. Today's protest comes ahead of COP27 talks that will start in the Sharam El Sheikh, Egypt, on Sunday. J.P. Morgan has declined a request for comment. That article is from the Glasgow Times and written by Sarah Campbell. The Glasgow Times. On Thursday the 3rd of November 2022. 
Glasgow workforce use free food service amid cost of living crisis. An article written by Morgan Carmichael and read by me, Corey. An East End charity says it is feeding workers across the city amid the struggles of the cost of living crisis. The Shettleston Community Growing Project opened its community fridge initiative two months ago. The community fridge started in response to the cost of living crisis and is aimed at helping those who find themselves in food poverty despite working. Kenny McCubin, 57, project manager at the Shettleston Community Growing Project, said, It is 100% the case that people using the community fridge are workers. Some are on minimum wage or zero-hour contracts, whilst some are full-timers. As a wealthy country, people should be able to afford to feed themselves and not rely on food banks or community fridges. Seeing this happening in this day and age is pretty shocking. It shouldn't exist. The community fridge is opened Monday to Friday from 5pm until 7pm to try and catch those just finished working. The fridge is run on a non-referral and completely free basis. Though it is aimed at workers, it can be used by anyone who needs it. Kenny said, If you need it, you come and get it. We want people to come in and use this service if they are struggling. If they're too embarrassed to talk to their employer, or if they're waiting on benefits coming after the weekend. He added, Even if people just want a cup of tea or a bowl of soup and a chat, they're welcome to that. We might be the only people that person chats to that day. Aside from soup and hot drinks, mince, cheese, milk and more can be found inside the fridge for people to take home. The charity also receives donations of frozen chicken from KFC on Paul Shaw's Road every week, which they are really grateful for. Kenny went on to say that those using the service have expressed gratefulness for how much it is helping them at the moment. He said, We've heard some heartbreaking stories. Sometimes our volunteers go into the back room in tears after listening to stories about families not having any food. With popularity for the service increasing and more expected to use the project on the lead up to Christmas, the charity is always welcoming food donations. To get in touch with the Shettleston Community Growing Project, go on to Facebook and search Shettleston Community Growing Project. From there you can message them via WhatsApp. The Shettleston Community Growing Project can be found at 68 Eckford Street. That's E-C-K-F-O-R-D Street. And again, the number is 68. That article written by Morgan Carmichael and read by myself, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday, the 3rd of November, 2022. Major UK retailer closing Boxing Day doors in several Glasgow shopping centres. An article written by Stacey Mullen and read by myself, Corey. A major UK retailer will close its doors in Glasgow shopping centres this Boxing Day. Family-owned jeweller Beaver Brooks said it is a tradition that has been in place for 103 years. In Glasgow, Silverburn and Glasgow Fort stores will shut their doors on the festive day, while outside of the city, Brayhead and EK will close. 
The firm are also giving staff an extra week's salary in December, which follows a £500 one-off cost-of-living payment. Anna Blackburn, Managing Director of the family-owned jeweller Beaver Brooks, said, In Beaver Brooks's 103-year history, we have never opened on Boxing Day to give our amazing colleagues more time to spend with their families and thank them for their hard work throughout the year. As the business run on strong family values, this is something that has always been incredibly important to us. And this year, our 70 stores will remain closed on the date once again, to allow people to enjoy well-earned time with their loved ones after the busy Christmas period. She added... We know it is a challenging time for many people and to support our colleagues as well as giving them more time to spend with their family over the festive season, we will continue our tradition of an extra week's salary in December for all colleagues to show our appreciation for their hard work. This comes in addition to an investment of £500,000 in cost of living payments made in October to all colleagues. £500 one-off payment per colleague providing further financial support in line with increasing costs. Rising costs have been a key consideration for all our business decisions this year, and we have made sure to put our teams across the UK at the heart of them. For instance, we have just created a breakfast club for office colleagues to come and get a healthy, nutritious breakfast every day on us. We have guaranteed salary increases for all Beaver Brooks colleagues year on year even during the pandemic, and based on our record-breaking 2021-22 financial success, we paid our biggest ever bonuses to store colleagues. We also introduced significant increases in profit bonuses for office teams and all store management to reward the hard work of all colleagues across the past few challenging years. Closing down on Boxing Day is something we know our colleagues value greatly and we feel passionate about continuing this tradition and hopefully inspiring other businesses to follow in our footsteps. Beaver Brooks is an award-winning family-owned jeweller established in 1919 with 70 stores across the UK providing exceptional quality diamonds, jewellery and watches. For further information, please visit www.beaverbrooks, which is B-E-A-V-E-R, brooks.co.uk That article is from the Glasgow Times, written by Stacey Mullen and read by me, Corey. Evening Times, November 3. Remembering Lonnie Donegan, who died 20 years ago today. Report by Anne Fotheringham. The stars who turned out for Glasgow-born musician Lonnie Donegan's memorial service included Brian May, Mark Knopfler and Bill Wyman. Lonnie died 20 years ago today, leaving a legacy of work that is second to none and a huge hole in the British music scene. The Bridgeton-born singer was the king of skiffle and the founding father of British pop. His mother was Irish, his father was Scottish and a violinist who once played with the Scottish National Orchestra 
and later joined the Merchant Navy. In 1933, the family moved to London, where the teenage Donegan learned to play the guitar and the banjo, and formed the Anthony Donegan, later Tony Donegan, jazz band, which he financed through part-time delivery work for a photographer. Donegan changed his name to Lonnie after his idol, the American blues guitarist Lonnie Johnson, with whom he had once played. Between 1956 and 1962, he had recorded an incredible 26 hits, including Rock Island Line, an old American song, and other classics like Cumberland Gap and My Old Man's Adustman. In 1959, his song, Does Your Chewing Gum Lose Its Flavour on the Bedpost Overnight?, reached number three in the British charts and number five in the United States, selling a million copies. Music historian Peter Doggett, in his book Electric Shock, says, Sales of acoustic guitars soared during 1956. Mother's washboards were borrowed for their percussive effect, and schoolboys learned how to manufacture an upright bass from an old tea chest and some string. Donegan's success prompted an outbreak of teenage music making, unprecedented in the nation's history. Thousands of these groups were launched, among them the people. In Liverpool, Donegan inspired the Quarrymen, featuring one John Lennon, which of course later evolved into the Beatles. Lonnie died aged 71 while on tour, after spending his later years performing in cabaret and in, and in skiffle revival shows. Stars attending the memorial service at St Paul's Church in Covent Garden six months later also performed at the event. Brian May of Queen sang I'm Just a Rolling Stone, accompanied by Donegan's son Peter and his group, and there was a rollicking finale when they performed Have a Drink on Me. Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits said after the ceremony, that Lonnie was responsible for inspiring a number of stars, including me and Sir Paul McCartney, to take an interest in music. He added, it was Lonnie who got me started. His were the first records that I bought or got my mum to buy. Also present was Mo Molam, former Northern Ireland secretary, who said, he was a friend of mine. It was a very moving service. Report by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022. From the news section, Dance teacher accused of groping teen at Glasgow school. By Connor Gordon. A dance teacher is accused of groping a teenage pupil and sending explicit messages to other students. Gordon Brown, 51, allegedly committed the crimes at a school in Glasgow between August, 20th, August 2016 in 2018. Court papers state Brown was in a position of trust of the girls as his capacity as a teacher. It is claimed that Brown engaged in sexual activity with or towards the four girls. 
The first charge states that Brown repeatedly touched her in the leg and groped her breast. He's further accused of repeatedly making comments and sending messages to her of a sexual nature. Brown's conduct is said to have continued with a second charge claiming he made comments of a sexual nature and touched the leg of another girl. A third charge states Brown made remarks about the appearance of a further girl. It is said he also made repeatedly made comments and sent messages to her of a sexual nature. A final charge claimed that he repeatedly made comments to a fourth girl which were of a sexual nature. Brown pleaded not guilty on Friday to the charges at Glasgow Sheriff Court. Virgil Crawford, defending, told the court that the process began when one of the girls sent an email to other to another witness. He said, This email made reference to 26 people who could say what happened. Prosecutor Lauren Donnelly told the hearing that the Crown is ready for a three-day trial. A trial has been fixed for January next year by Sheriff Gerard Constantine, who also sent a pre-trial heading next month. Brown had his bail continued meantime. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, Glasgow carer made untrained women pretend to be her and cover shift by Kirsty Feerick, senior reporter. A Glasgow carer made a woman pretend to be her and cover her shift. Mary Gweth sent the unknown person who had no confirmed background checks to work with vulnerable people while employed as a support worker with Trust Care staff and Training Limited. It is understood that the impersonator was not a trained carer, meaning service users could have been placed at risk of serious harm had she attempted to carry out manual handling procedures or administer medicine. The extremely serious matter happened around the 29th of August 2020 after Goethe had assigned a shift with SRS Care Solutions Limited. She has been out hit with a warning by the Scottish Social Services Council which will stay in her registration for a period of 48 months. Goethe has been slammed for showing complete disregard for the system and failed to treat the service users with respect. The report stated, This is an extremely serious matter. You allowed an unknown individual to attend work in your place and pretend to be you. Nothing is known about this individual, including whether or not she had been subject to the usual disclosure checks that workers need to undergo before being allowed to work with vulnerable people. You showed a complete disregard for the systems that are in place to ensure safe recruitment practices and the system of professional regulation. It would appear that the unknown individual was not a trained carer, meaning service users could have been placed at risk of serious harm had she attempted to carry out manual handling procedures or administer medicine. Had there been any sort of emergency situation, it is unlikely this individual would have been equipped to deal with it. Gweth claimed she had the woman pretend to be her as she feared losing her job because she couldn't attend the shift herself. The support worker apologised for her actions and recognised that this is not excusive behaviour and said she would not act in this way again if in a similar position. She has since continued to work in the service for two years with no further concerns being raised. The SSSC report continued, This risk was mitigated slightly by the fact that the shift was a double up, so there was another qualified worker there too. It also amounts to a failure to treat the service users with respect, as they have a right to expect that the people who are being allowed to enter their homes are properly vetted and properly trained workers. You must have been aware that this behaviour was unacceptable, but did it anyway. Your behaviour was deliberate and premeditated. You have, however, shown insight into your behaviour 
and have fully accepted what you did and that this was wrong. You advised you were desperate at the time and feared losing your job as you couldn't do the shift yourself, but have recognised that this does not excuse the behaviour and that you would not act in this way again if you found yourself in a similar position. Furthermore, around two years have passed since the incident. You have worked during this time and no further concerns have been raised about your behaviour. It does therefore seem that the risk of repetition is low. And that report was by Kirsty Feerick. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section. Glasgow High Court hears man lost the plot as he burned wife with hot tea and choked her. By our court reporter. A husband burned his wife with hot tea and choked her until she was unconscious after discovering she was having an affair. Gary O'Donnell pounced on Ronald O'Donnell after returning from work early, claiming he had good news. The 37-year-old coach driver instead went on to show her messages he had had between Rona and her work colleague, who she had been romantically involved with. During the vicious attack, his wife failed, I am going to die. She eventually managed to flee and drove herself injured to hospital. O'Donnell, meantime, called police, later admitting he had lost the plot after finding his wife had been cheating. The first offender now faces a jail term after after on Friday he admitted assaulting Rona to her severe injury, permanent disfigurement and to the danger of her life. He will be sentenced next month. The attack occurred at the couple's then home in East Kilbride on September the 12th last year. O'Donnell had been suspicious of his wife of 10 years in the weeks before the crime. Prosecutor Mark Mohammed told the High Court in Glasgow, In the summer of 2021, she became romantically involved with a work colleague. O'Donnell later moved out to stay with his parents, but returned hoping to save his relationship. Mr Mohammed, His wife told him that she wanted to end the marriage. He refused to accept this. In the early hours of September the 12th, O'Donnell unexpectedly came back from work. He asked to speak to his wife in the kitchen and went on to show her his mobile phone. Mr Mohammed. She saw messages between herself and her male colleague. He made comments about them and Ronald O'Donnell then turned to walk away. Raging O'Donnell then hurled a mug, mug of hot black tea over his wife, causing her extreme pain. He managed to pin her to the ground and slap both hands around her neck to strangle her. Mr Mohammed, she could not breathe and her vision began to fade. O'Donnell, now of Helensborough, went on to grab her by the hair and smack her repeatedly off a kitchen unit. He choked her again, leading her to lose her consciousness. When she came around, Rona desperately tried to find her phone to get help, stating, I am going to die. She eventually got her mobile and jumped into her car to the local hospital. O'Donnell dialed 999 and confessed, She split up with me, and then I found out she's been cheating, texting somebody. I came home from work and I attacked her. The court heard Rona needed to go to a specialist burns unit for injuries to her back and neck. She also had bruising to her head, nose, cheek and collarbone. Rona was able to leave hospital on September the 20th and luckily her burns had healed. Rhonda Anderson, defending, said O'Donnell had been in emotional turmoil in the weeks before the attack. The lawyer added, he's utterly ashamed and appalled at what he did. Lord Beckett continued bail and deferred sentencing for reports until December the 2nd in Edinburgh. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section. Man arrested after a crash at Glasgow's Gallagate. Report by Sarah Campbell. 
A man has been arrested following a road crash in Glasgow. Shortly after 8pm last night, police received reports of a collision involving two cars on Fieldsend Street at Gallowgate. Two women from one vehicle were checked over by an ambulance crew at the scene, while the 23-year-old male driver of a second car was raced to the Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment. He was later arrested in connection with road traffic offences. Gallowgate remained closed to traffic westbound between Parkhead Roundabout and Fieldsend Street until 10.40pm as police carried out investigations. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 8.35pm on Thursday, November 3rd, a road crash involving two cars took place on Fieldsend Street at Gallowgate, Glasgow. Two women from one of the cars were checked over by ambulance staff at the scene. The 23-year-old male driver of the other car was taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary. He has been arrested in connection with road traffic offences and police inquiries are continuing. And that report was by Sarah Campbell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, Manhunt launched after a terrifying midnight robbery in Glasgow, by Sarah Campbell. A manhunt has been launched following a terrifying robbery in Glasgow this week. At around 12.20am on Wednesday, November 2nd, a 43-year-old woman was approached by a man at the corner of Hillend Road and Balmore Road. He then demanded money before making off on foot along Balmore Road. Thankfully, the woman was not injured and police have now issued a description of the suspect in an effort to track him down. The man is described as white, approximately 5 foot 8 inches in height and around 30 years old. At the time of the incident, he was wearing black waterproof jacket with a pe- with a peaked hood, a light coloured t-shirt, and dark trousers with light coloured trainers. He also had on a black snood. Constable Natalie Daphner from Govan Police Station said, "This has been a terrifying experience for the victim, and thankfully no one was hurt in the incident. I'm appealing for anyone who may have witnessed this incident or anyone whose information relating to this incident to make contact with the police." If you believe you can assist our inquiries or have potential CCTV or dashcam footage from the area, please call police on 101, quoting incident 0073 of November the 2nd. Alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers on 0800 if you wish to remain anonymous. And that report was by Sarah Campbell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, neglected puppy with gaping wound removed from Paisley owner's home by SSPCA. Report by Lauren Brownlee. A puppy found with a gaping wound and covered in scabs had to be removed from her owner's home by a Scottish SPCA inspector. Robert McLeish, 27, and Chanel McGarren, 22, from Paisley, were visited by Isla Bell following a complaint of dog neglect made to the animal welfare charity about a very lethargic Akita sitting outside with swollen paws and missing fur. The pair have since been fined £135 each at Paisley Sheriff Court after pleading guilty to failing to seek vet treatment and pain relief for their dog, Marley's chronic skin condition, which caused her hair loss and skin lesions. When the SSPCA inspector attended the home on August 25th, 2020, she asked to see inside the property to assess whether the dog's health could be related to their living conditions but McLeish refused her access. Ms Bell said, I then observed a female Akiti dog lying on a blanket outside. She appeared to be an older dog, slightly underweight and had a generally lethargic demeanour. Marley would constantly stand up 
turn around in a tight circle, then lie down as if irritated. She was also scratching constantly. I noticed blood in the back of Marie's legs and belly and on her paws from scratching herself. These areas also had a particularly sparse coat. The skin that could be seen in areas where fur was missing or sparse was red, inflamed and covered in scabs. I was shocked to discover that Marley was only 8 months old. She showed no signs whatsoever of being a playful puppy, which would have been expected at this age. It was clear that Marley's welfare had suffered. Her chronic skin condition meant she had scratched herself to the point where she left a gaping wound in her head and more away here in her body, ears and legs. She also had areas of thickened skin from constant scratching. It is deplorable that somebody could watch their pet in this constant state of irritation and do little to ease her suffering. Ms Bell was so concerned about Marla that she removed her from the home to be examined by a vet immediately. The checks confirmed that Marla had been caused unnecessary suffering between, for between four and eight weeks by her owner's failure to seek vet attention for her skin. After being taken into the care of the SSPCA, the condition of Marley's skin improved drastically and her demeanour was a lot happier. She has since been rehomed to a loving family where she's, she's treated to lots of cuddles and beach walks. Ms Bell added, We are disappointed that neither Malish nor McGarren received a ban. We hope they will seriously consider their ability to care for animals in the future. If anyone is concerned about an animal, they can contact the SSPCA's confidential animal helpline on 0300 999 That's 0300 999 And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, Rail strikes suspended as RMT Union negotiates with Network Rail by Esther Tarnay. Rail strikes have been suspended as the RMT enters negotiations with employers. The industrial action was due to go ahead tomorrow, Monday and Wednesday. RMT General Secretary Mick Clinch said, The threat of strike action and our strongly supported industrial campaign has made the rail employers see sense. We have always wanted to secure a negotiated settlement and that is what we will continue to do to push for in this next phase of intensive talks. Our priority is our members, and we are working towards securing a deal on job security, a decent pay rise, and good working conditions. Our rebalance remains live, and if we have to take strike action during the next six months to secure a deal, we will. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, Rangers told Celtic no CCTV was available for glass incident last season by Ewan Payton. Celtic were told by Rangers that there was no CCTV footage available after broken glass was found in Joe Hart's goalmouth during a derby clash at Ibrox last season. As the teams re-emerged for the second half of the game, Hart pointed out to referee Willie Collum that there were shards of glass within his box. The official called health and safety staff onto the field to remove the hazards. Play was held up for five minutes as TV cameras caught the scenes. The match ended 2-1 to Celtic as they took a huge stride towards securing the title. Speaking at today's AGM, Michael Nicholson was asked how the glass ended up in the pitch. He replied, I don't know. I didn't receive any update on how that got onto the pitch. We were told there was no CCTV. It's a poor show, but we will discuss that with the club in question privately and appropriately.
Rangers have been approached for comment. And that article is by Ewan Payton. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, Stockingfield Bridge to light up for the first time at opening parade in Glasgow, by Esther Tarnay. Glasgow's newest bridge will light up in stunning colour for the first time. Here is all you need to know. As the Glasgow Times reported on Wednesday, Stockingfield Bridge opened officially to the public. The new structure now welcomes pedestrians and cyclists. On Saturday, December 3rd, the lights will be switched on for the first time as part of a special celebration. Celebration of North Glasgow's new bridge. A procession will take place from four areas around the active travel bridge, representing the joining of communities for the first time since the canal was opened in 1790. It will be led by Glasgow-based art group Carnival Arts and will see a light show with lanterns being made by the community that highlight the fauna and flora of the canal and their communities. In addition, lanterns will be fitted to standard and non-standard bikes to showcase the accessibility of the bridge. Scottish Canal's Chief Operating Officer, Richard Miller, said, 14 years after we first developed the concept with the local community, we are delighted to be able to open this amazing new bridge to the public. Not only will it transform the active travel routes to the city centre and the West End for both local people and users of the National Cycle Network, it has also helped to create a place transforming vacant and derelict land into an attractive parkland full of community spirit through the numerous artworks, creating a destination and a place of deep community ownership and pride. A project by Scottish Canals, the innovative landmark aims to connect the communities of Mary Hill, Rock Hill and Gout. Gislock Hill. After 21 months, work finally concluded on it earlier this week. Already, the bridge has earned the admiration of locals and received the Institution of Civil Engineers, ICE, People's Choice Award for 2022, which recognises projects that have made a positive impact on their local communities. Earlier this year, a beautiful picture of the structure also won this year's Institution of Civil Engineers, ICE, photo competition. Surrounding the bridge is an array of artwork created by local artists in collaboration with North Glasgow residents, including mosaics, a car installation and a 121 metre mythical serpent statue, the nine pieces of art livening up the area and strengthen locals' involvement. Such Trans Scotland director, Karen McGregor, said, Stockingfield Bridge is a remarkable achievement for all those involved, none more so than the local communities that help make it a reality and to fulfil the real benefits of it. We are excited to see this truly iconic structure opening to the public for the very first time and are confident it will secure status as a beacon of accessible active travel on the Glasgow skyline for years to come. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022, from the news section, two well-established Glasgow nurseries sold as owners retire by Lauren Brownlee. Two well-established nurseries in Glasgow have been sold following the owner's decision to retire. Sinclair Nursery on Sinclair Drive in Glasgow Southside and Victoria Park Kindergarten, located on Dumbarton Road in the city's West End, were previously owned by Robert Burns and Peter Hume. The pair have since retired and sold their businesses for an undisclosed price to Bright Stars, which owns a total of 83 nurseries, including 15 in Scotland. Peter Hume said, We purchased Sinclair in September 2008 and Victoria in August 2015. 
We would probably have retired earlier if it wasn't for the fact that the staff were amazing on both sides and made our life easy. We have now retired and plan to spend more time in the golf course and going on holiday. Mr Humanity that the sale went smoothly thanks to the help from specialist business property advisor, Christine Coe, and lawyers McDonald Henderson solicitors. Kirsty Ibbett, Mergers and Acquisition Director at Bright Stars Nursery Group said, We are delighted to welcome two well-established nurseries into the Bright Stars Nursery Group, developing an even stronger support network within Glasgow, alongside our existing high-quality nurseries in Scotland. In keeping children's best interests at heart of all we do, we look forward to supporting the nursery team and the families whilst enhancing on the foundation of these nurseries. Martin Daw, Senior Director at Kistinko, who handled the sale, added, It was a genuine pleasure to work for Peter and Robert, having got to know them while they opened their first nursery in 2008. We enjoyed regular catch-ups in the golf course and the timing was right to introduce them to Bright Stars earlier this year. With a rise in demand for good nursery places over the last 18 months, there is an appetite for operators to grow within the Greater Glasgow area, and so we are likely to see increased activity through 2023. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of November 2022. From the news section, Women chased boy, 16, with bottle of tonic wine down Glasgow Street. By Connor Gordon, court reporter. A woman assaulted a 16-year-old boy in a busy city centre street. Kelly Keating, 31, chased the victim through Glasgow Jamaica Street while brandishing a bottle on May the 10th. Witnesses had earlier tried to help Keating, who had been screaming and behaving erratically. Keating pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assaulting the boy. She also admitted possession of a knife in a public place without reasonable excuse or lawful authority. Sheriff Gerard Considine put Keating under supervision for 18 months at Friday sentencing. He also placed her in drug and alcohol treatment as well as a 16-week programme requirement. The court earlier heard that the victim was in the city centre with his teenage girlfriend and friend. Keating came to their attention around 11pm. Prosecutor Jessica McGovern said, it was clear she was intoxicated, acting erratically and screaming in the street. Witnesses checked on her before she turned her attention to the boy. Miss McGowan added, She pulled up a green bottle of El Dorado tonic wine out of her jacket pocket and chased the boy while brandishing the bottle in front of her. He had to quickly move away as he believed there would be an attack on him. The young trio moved away as a 999 call was made. Keating was then picked up by police officers and arrested. During a search, an orange-handled knife was recovered from her jacket pocket. Michael Gallen, defending, told the court, Undoubtedly this was a horrific experience for the victim, notwithstanding his age. It was a fairly short incident and there was no injury. Having pursued the victim, she walked away and, went back to, and he went back to his friends. There was no other engagement. And that report was by Connor Gordon. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of November. Charity gets a £150,000 makeover to give new space to members. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. A mental health charity in Glasgow has received a £150,000 makeover to its office. The mental health network Greater Glasgow in the East End has been helping adults over the age of 20 for the past 21 years. 
The charity offers peer support and wellness groups, suicide prevention talks and attends NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde mental health wards to help improve existing services. Anne Jones, who is manager of the mental health network Greater Glasgow, said... We were recently successful after applying and winning Hub West Scotland's Helping Hands 2022 project, which involves putting money into local communities and charities to support them. When we applied, all we asked for was a new kitchen and blinds for our members' cafe, as the kitchen hadn't been touched for 15 years because funding was so tight and we didn't have excess funds to make renovations we wanted. She continued, after an initial visit, Hub West Scotland asked if we had a wish list of things we would like, and after creating one, we were amazed to find out that everything was granted. Contractors were able to help fit new carpets, lighting and tiles, while those that couldn't help with services instead provided money, which helped the charity buy a new dishwasher. Anne added, it's just amazing and we're overwhelmed. We never for one minute thought we would get this. The charity has found the refurbishment to be making a priceless difference to its members. and said some have found it to be a more friendly and welcoming place, while some have even found the area to calm them more, something the members deserve. The refurbishment is a particularly welcome change for the charity, which has noticed a rise in mental health problems. and said, We went through COVID-19 and now we've thrown into a financial crisis – people's mental health has most definitely got worse. We see that there's a lot of anxieties and a mixture of all mental illnesses are worsening, to be truthful. She added, there's a demand for services for a lot of people all over Greater Glasgow and Clyde. Our services are needed more than ever at the moment. The charity sees the refurbishment as a way to refocus and relaunch its service to more people. The Mental Health Network Greater Glasgow office can be found inside the Templeton Business Centre at Glasgow Green. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. Glasgow Times News. On Monday the 7th of November. Fire crews attacked by youths with fireworks. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Fire crews were attacked by a gang of youths with fireworks during a call to an illegal bonfire. Police received a total of 483 calls to incidents across the country on Saturday, an overall decrease from last year. Public order trained officers assisted local emergency services in a crackdown on criminal activity known as Operation Moonbeam. In one incident, police say that firefighters were targeted by a group of 20 youths who had started an illegal bonfire on Langside Street in Clydebank. A male was arrested. A force spokesperson said, During a call-out to an illegal bonfire at Langside Street, members of the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service were attacked by 20 youths hearing fireworks. Police public order officers attended and the group dispersed. One police vehicle sustained very minor damage and one male was arrested for assault and culpable and reckless conduct. Police arrested 12 people in total on Saturday and dispersed a further 15, with a majority of incidents occurring in Edinburgh. Assistant Chief Constable Tim Mayers, Gold Commander for Operation Moonbeam, said, Our initial analysis of the incidents arising on bonfire night show that for the overwhelming majority of the country, people enjoyed the occasion safely and responsibly. 
However, in some areas, particularly in Edinburgh, various individuals have shown blatant disregard for the safety of the public and the emergency services and have actively targeted police officers and firefighters during the course of their duties. This behaviour is completely unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Mr Mayers also issued a warning to those involved in the incidents that officers are working to identify suspects who may have avoided police on the night. He added, I want to make it abundantly clear that considerable follow-up inquiry will be conducted in relation to all of these incidents, utilising all resources at our disposal to identify those responsible and bring them to justice. Don't think that just because you evaded police on the night that we won't be knocking on your door in the near future. I'd ask anyone who has information relating to the offences observed to contact police via 101 so that we can investigate appropriately. What the events demonstrate to me is the importance of having a robust frontline policing service that can be readily supported by national and specialist colleagues when required. Similarly, working in partnership with other emergency colleagues and local authorities is equally important to ensuring we're deploying the correct level of resource to the right areas at the right time. All of those who were on duty during bonfire night showed exceptional professionalism and dedication to protecting communities from harm during extremely difficult and challenging circumstances. I'm grateful for all their efforts. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of November. Glasgow City Council reaffirms its commitment to eradicating HIV. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow City Council has reaffirmed its commitment to eradicate HIV and the stigma that surrounds it by signing up to meet the new 95-95-95 targets. This vision was introduced in December 2020 by the United Nations Programme on AIDS, known as UNAIDS, which released a new set of ambitious targets calling for 95% of all people living with HIV to know their HIV status, 95% of all people with diagnosed HIV infection to receive sustained antiretroviral therapy, and 95% of all people receiving antiretroviral therapy to have viral suppression by 2025. During a recent city administration committee, the local authority also recommitted to the Fast Track Cities initiative, which sees it work towards ending new transmissions of HIV by 2030. Glasgow was the first city in Scotland to sign up to the programme in 2018, and it's been followed by Edinburgh, Aberdeen and Dundee. Speaking at the meeting, Councillor Chris Cunningham said, Glasgow first signed up to the fast-track cities in 2018, but progress was interrupted by the pandemic. We're now looking at new targets. Third sector organisations are also committed to it, and the Scottish Government plans to build a national strategy for the elimination of HIV by 2030. The Fast Track Cities initiative is a global partnership between cities and local governments around the world, with four core partners. An article written by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of November. Glasgow man taking part in Movember in honour of his cousin. An article written by Danielle de Souza and Lauren Brownlee. 
A man who is to meditate blindfolded for 60 hours as part of Movember hopes that his challenge will have the ripple effect of sparking conversations about men's mental health following the loss of his cousin to suicide. Cam Cooney, a 27-year-old meditation teacher who lives in Glasgow, is to meditate for 60 hours blindfolded over four days, from November 7th to November 11th, for the 60 men who commit suicide every hour around the world. Last March, his cousin, Seamus Marin, who was 36, was one of these men. The death was unexpected and it shook, obviously, my life and the whole family in many ways, he told the PA news agency during Movember, which takes place annually in November to raise awareness about men's mental health. I looked up to Seamus as a role model and when we used to work on building sites together in Adelaide, South Australia, we would have open conversations about football and general life and we also had personal conversations about things we struggled with. He was a very placid, calm-natured and just compassionate person and so after his death, Movember was personal for me. Having walked 600 kilometres as part of a 20-strong team last year for Movember, he decided to do something which involved meditation this year because the act created an instant difference in him, whereby he was happier and less stressed and anxious after admitting to not being able to deal with his emotions in the past. As a young teenager, I used to drink and take drugs to kind of suppress how I was really feeling, he said. And when I was 19 and working on a building site, I broke my back after falling from a ladder and I was very lucky to be able to walk away from that. I spent six months in rehab building up my strength and obviously recovering and all my emotions bubbled to the surface. Cam decided to deal with his mental health head-on after he found it difficult to return to work following the recovery period and was faced with taking antidepressants or finding something else following a doctor's appointment, which led to him taking part in meditation sessions. He said the session sparked a bit of a fire for me in terms of trying to get others to embrace the activity and he became a meditation teacher in 2019 after moving to Bournemouth. He said Seamus was one of the main male figures in his family who supported his change in career. He was probably the only one in my family who was interested and wanted to do it himself, but because he was in Australia and I was in the UK, I couldn't teach him. But we had the conversation many times, and when he took his own life, there was obviously regret within myself that I did not teach him, he added. I've taught hundreds of people around the world who have come to me in such states with their mental health, and through teaching them meditation, they've completely shifted their lives in a positive way, he said. So this year, when I became a Movember ambassador, I decided I'm going to do meditation this year. For the challenge, Cam is to wear a blindfold, which represents the darkness you feel when you're struggling with your mental health. You feel like there's no kind of light in your life at all. He hopes that his challenge will break down the stigma associated with male mental health and spark conversations. I think there's still a lot of stigma around actually talking about your mental health, especially for males, and kind of maybe admitting that you may be struggling, he said. I want to help spark conversations. Someone might just post something on social media which can start a conversation which could possibly save someone's life. It's a ripple effect, I always say. One comment, one conversation may not seem like much to you, but someone on the other side of that screen is maybe reading that and that maybe resonates with them and may change their decision about a particular moment in their life. 
an article written by Danielle D'Souza and Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of November. Radio station to open doors so locals can save money on bills. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. A popular governed radio station is opening its doors to help Glaswegians save money on their gas and electricity this winter. Sunny G Community Radio is hosting various free activities and fun sessions from November until January to allow people to get out of their house and switch off the heating and electricity for a few hours. Some of the sessions will include bingo, retro games and movie nights. Stephen Gilfoyle, Development Manager at Sunny G Radio, said It's disgusting that we live in a society where we need to do this in 2022 and where people can't afford to be warm this winter. We hear it every day in Govan that people are choosing between food and fuel and even before the pandemic there has always been fuel poverty in Govan. He added, this winter is going to take lives, it's going to be a serious issue. But if people can come and get their heating off for a few hours, it means that they can manage through the winter. The registered charity has had to put on five more sessions due to the demand for the service. Stephen said, it makes us feel horrible that there's such a demand for this. It's unfortunate that we need to do this, but it has to be done. He also said, we hope to put a smile on people's faces. I don't think people have a lot of morale left. The first of the winter warmer sessions will be today, which will be a retro video game night. Free food, snacks and beverages will also be provided during the sessions, including hot chocolate, crisps and soup. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of November. Boardwalk will be shut for months. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. A much-loved boardwalk in Lenzi Moss is set to close for months as part of a revamping programme. The existing boardwalk, which was built in 2005, is set to be completely renovated to provide better access to the nature reserve for visitors. Two sections of the existing paths will be upgraded as part of the project. The first section will cover the path from the entrance of Heather Drive and will link with the main path that runs to Blackthorn Grove. Work will begin today and should be finished by February. Following the first section being completed, the second section will see work on the path that runs from the entrance to Lenzi Railway Station car park along the northern boundary of the railway line to the boardwalk. This will be carried out between February and March. Councillor Paul Ferretti, convener of Place, Neighbourhood and Corporate Assets, said Lenzi Moss is a local treasure and the council is committed to its improvement and maintenance so that future generations can continue to enjoy it. The new boardwalk will provide easier and safer access to the moss for people of all ages and abilities. It will form part of a circular route around the moss, which is home to numerous birds and wildlife, and is designed to protect the valuable habitats beneath it. However, for the existing boardwalk to be removed and a new one to be installed, the boardwalk will be unavoidably closed from January the 9th until March. Councillor Ferretti said, The project will unfortunately involve the temporary closure of the boardwalk. The council apologises for any inconvenience this may cause residents and I'd like to thank them in advance for their patience and understanding as we upgrade this popular pathway. 
The renovations are funded by Eastern Bartonshire Council's Cycling, Walking and Safer Routes Allocation Project from Transport Scotland and Strathclyde Partnership for Transport, or SPT. SPT's Vice-Chair Alan Moyer, who represents Eastern Bartonshire on the SPT board, said... SPT is delighted to support the Council through our capital programme to help deliver improvements to this pathway and provide continued access for local communities to Lenzi Moss. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. Evening Times, November 7. Lifestyle. The amazing history of Glasgow Building, which was once the BBC headquarters. Report by Dr Irene O'Brien of the Glasgow City Archives. As it is the centenary year of the BBC, I thought it would be interesting to look at North Park House on Queen Margaret Drive. The building played a significant role in Glasgow's history long before it became the corporation's headquarters in Scotland in 1938. There had been an earlier North Park house. This was the country house of the Hamilton family, who had purchased the North Park estate in 1799. John Hamilton was a West India merchant and had been provost of the city three times between 1800 and 1811. The introduction of the Great Western Turnpike Road led to the selling of much of North Park Estate for housing for those families who wished to escape the areas around Glasgow Green and move to the great terraces in the West End. In the 1860s, the original North Park House was demolished and it was replaced by Alexander Greek Thompson Terraced Housing in what is now 35 to 51 Hamilton Drive. The Bell brothers, John and Matthew, had established the successful Glasgow pottery in the early 19th century, and by the 1850s it was the largest pottery in Scotland, trading in North America. They needed a permanent home for their large art collection, and in 1870 they applied to Hillhead Borough to build the second North Park House just a small distance from the original. The house was designed in 1869 and completed in 1871 by John Honeyman. It included various picture galleries. It was the intention of John Bell to leave the house and its collections to Glasgow Council, but he died intestate in 1880 and the collection was sold. Mrs Isabella Elder purchased the building and in 1884 a college for women was established with 240 female students. Its many galleries and music rooms were adapted to the role of lecture theatres, classrooms and libraries. A medical school was inaugurated there in 1890 with classes beginning at once with 13 students. A year later, the course included attendance at the Royal Infirmary. Between 1890 and 1895, John Kepi, 
and Charles Rennie Macintosh designed a new building for the medical school. By 1907, there were 631 women students, including about 60 medical students. In 1892, Queen Margaret College became part of the University of Glasgow and all teaching was transferred to Gilmer Hill in 1935. There was a suggestion that Glasgow Corporation should acquire the building for use as a reference, lending and reading library for the North Kelvin district. The corporation was once again to miss out. Before the city librarian could make a report, the BBC, who were looking for new premises in Glasgow, moved quickly and acquired the property. In October 1936, work started to convert QM College into the BBC's headquarters in Scotland. Its official opening was in November 1938. In the 1960s, the site was extended to the east taking in the former Hillhead Bowling Club and Kelvinside Nursery in the 1960s. In 2007, the BBC relocated to a new building at Pacific Key. All structures except North Park House, Miller's 1930s additions to it and the anatomical department were demolished by 2010. The northeast section of the building, originally the dissecting room, and the pitched roof and gable of the former museum at the southeast were also demolished, reports Dr. Irene O'Brien of the Glasgow City Archives. Evening Times, November 7. Opinion. Martha Wardrop says, Pedestrian safety needs to be a bigger priority. There are many benefits from walking, including a boost to our mental and physical health. We have to make it easier for people to cross the road and to give people the pavement space they need to walk around safely. This makes a huge difference in enabling more people to access local high streets, shops, and other businesses in a sustainable way. When considering investment to support the future of the high street and the city's economy, there is a need to make places more pedestrian friendly. Compared with other often more costly transport options, improvements to a neighbourhood for pedestrians and cyclists can offer a good return on investment, especially for retailers. The quality of our public spaces is connected directly to people's perceptions of how attractive they are. If people have positive perceptions of a place, they are more likely to visit and shop there. Therefore, public realm investment can lead to increased employment in our high streets and also support regeneration by encouraging local business startups. There are huge challenges for high streets due to the increase in online shopping and the changes brought about by new technology. However, we can boost footfall in our high streets and town centres 
by making them more accessible and improving the experience of pedestrians getting around our city's streets. We have to ensure that more walking does not lead to more pedestrian casualties. There are some groups that are particularly vulnerable, such as children and young people, disabled people and older people. To live independent, vulnerable older people need their mobility to be supported to reach the local activities and services that they require. Crossing our roads is one of the major concerns. Safe walking routes are especially important to access bus stops and make use of public transport. We can create a safer physical environment for walking through better design of pedestrian infrastructure. This can reduce the risk of crashes and minimise the severity of any accidents that do occur, making fatal injuries unlikely. It is recognised that pedestrians are particularly vulnerable to road traffic crashes. At 30 kilometres per hour, a pedestrian has a 90% chance to survive an impact. If a vehicle hits you at 50 kilometres per hour while you're walking down a street, that collision will have the same impact of falling from the fourth floor of a building. Through creating a safer pedestrian environment, we can help everyone share the road safety together. We have to ensure that older people, disabled people, pregnant women, parents and small children are involved in shaping improvements to our streets. Safer crossings are key with more visible signposting and appropriately positioned. We will also have to ensure that bus passengers and other people accessing public transport by foot are able to inform decision making and they are supported to travel more safely. Pedestrian safety requires a coordinated approach that combines inclusive road design, effective enforcement of traffic regulations and improved road safety education. Pedestrian deaths and injuries are preventable and pedestrian safety has to receive the attention it merits, says Martha Wardrow. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of November 2022, from the news section. I get a chat, a bit of heat and a laugh. Glasgow Warm Spaces helps locals with bills and morale. By Morgan Carmichael. An East End Housing Association is helping locals battle the cost of living crisis with a new initiative. Milne Bank Housing Association began its Warm Spaces initiative last week to help locals switch off their gas and electricity and save money this winter. The initiative has seen the association opening up two East End community halls throughout the week to offer a space where locals can get free drinks, food and a chat. The initiative runs Monday to Friday at Bluevale Community Hall from 10am till 4pm and MHA Community Hall every Thursday from 9am till 4pm. Margaret Cameron, Bluevale Hall caretaker and Milne Bank Housing Association employee, said 
We started warm spaces last Monday because this is something that's needed right now with cost of living going through the roof. This is a place for people to be. It's a heated space so people can come and save some money on their bills. Even if people want to come in and just watch the television, that's totally fine. We're just trying our best for the community. During Blue Vale's warm spaces, a free breakfast between 10am and 12pm is served, as well as free hot rolls from 12pm until 4pm. Those using the services have stated its usefulness during this difficult financial time. Linda Pettigrew, 31, from High Carntine, said, I work, and the cost of living crisis is making it hard for people that work as well as pensioners. So I come here, I get a chat, a bit of heat and a laugh. This initiative will help me a lot, bill-wise. Donna Cook, 60, a volunteer with Milnbank Housing Association and a user of the Warm Spaces initiative, said, It's a brilliant idea. It means that a wee pensioner can come in and there's something here for them, whether that's a chat or some homemade soup. In terms of gas and electricity, if someone is sitting in the house all day, they're burning that, but if they're here, they don't need to burn it. For that, it's a fantastic idea. Christina Courtney, 74, from the Deniston area, said, I'm definitely going to keep using the Warm Spaces initiative. She went on to say how the service helps sociably as well as bill-wise. Jean Hanratty, 69, also from the Deniston area, added, It's helped me quite a lot already. Before this, I had shut down. To contact Milnbank Housing Association, call them on 0141 551 8131. That article was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 8th of November 2022 from the Opinion section The Green View Martha Wardrop Pedestrian safety needs to be a bigger priority. There are many benefits from walking including a boost to our mental and physical health. We have to make it easier for people to cross the road and to give people the pavement space they need to walk around safely. This makes a huge difference in enabling more people to access local high streets, shops and other businesses in a sustainable way. When considering investment to support the future of the high street and the city's economy, there is need to make places more pedestrian friendly. Compared with other, often more costly, transport options, improvements to a neighbourhood for pedestrians and cyclists can offer a good return on investment, especially for retailers. The quality of our public spaces is connected directly to people's perceptions of how attractive they are. If people have positive perceptions of a place, they are more likely to visit and shop there. Therefore, Public realm investment can lead to increased employment in our high streets and also support regeneration by encouraging local business start-ups. There are huge challenges for high streets due to the increase in online shopping and the changes brought about by new technology. However, we can boost footfall in our high streets and town centres by making them more accessible and improving the experience of pedestrians getting around our city streets. We have to ensure that more walking does not lead to more pedestrian casualties. 
There are some groups that are particularly vulnerable, such as children and young people, disabled people and older people. To live independently, vulnerable older people need their mobility to be supported to reach the local activities and services that they require. Crossing our roads is one of the major concerns. Safe walking routes are especially important to access bus stops and make use of public transport. We can create a safer physical environment for walking through better design of pedestrian infrastructure. This can reduce the risk of crashes and minimise the severity of any accidents that do occur, making fatal injuries unlikely. It's recognised that pedestrians are particularly vulnerable to road traffic crashes. At 30 kilometres per hour, a pedestrian has a 90% chance of surviving an impact. If a vehicle hits you at 50 kilometres an hour while you're walking down a street, that collision will have the same impact as falling from the fourth floor of a building. Through creating a safer pedestrian environment, we can help everyone share the road safely together. We have to ensure that older people, disabled people, pregnant women, parents and small children are involved in shaping improvements to our streets. Safer crossings are a key, with more visible signposting and appropriately positioned we will also have to ensure that bus passengers and other people accessing public transport by foot are able to inform decision-making and they are supported to travel more safely. Pedestrian safety requires a coordinated approach that combines inclusive road design, effective enforcement of traffic regulations and improved road safety education. Pedestrian deaths and injuries are preventable and pedestrian safety has to receive the attention it merits. This article was by Martha Wardrop. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of November 2022, from the news section. Man hospitalised as cops look for attackers, one in police uniform costume, after Glasgow city centre incident by Esther Tane. A man was taken to hospital after being assaulted in Glasgow city centre. The 20-year-old and a 19-year-old woman who did not require medical attention were attacked by two men. Emergency services were called to the incident around 3.20am on Sunday, October the 30th on the city's Bath Street. Police Scotland is now asking for the public's help as their investigation continues. The two suspects are described as black and wearing dark clothing. One is described as having dreadlocks and wearing an American police officer costume. Detective Constable Larissa Cooper of Greater Glasgow CID said this assault took place on a street which was busy despite the hour. We are appealing for anyone in the area who saw what happened or who saw these men before or after the incident to get in touch. In addition, Anyone driving in the area with dash cam footage that could assist with our inquiries is also asked to make contact with us. This article was by Esther Tane. From Glasgow Evening Times, Wednesday the 9th of November 2022. From the news section, 
Review. Jamie T. Kicks Off Tour in Glasgow's O2 Academy by Gabriel Mackay. Rated 3 out of 5 stars. It's a bit of an old, a bit of a new, a bit of everything, says singer-songwriter Jamie T. as he informs Glasgow crowd what to expect from his setlist at a packed-out academy. The 36-year-old is finally back on the road to promote fifth album, The Theory of Whatever, released in July, to positive reviews. A bit of everything is probably a good way to describe the record, and the scattergun approach that works on the albums proves something of a mixed bag here. Kicking off with 90s cars, a calypso-tinged effort, and old-style raiders proves a master stroke with the well-lubricated crowd roaring their approval at two tracks that hark back to the artist's rap-rock breakthrough sound. Stalking the stage, Jamie T. real name, Jamie T. Rays, in an oversized khaki shirt and black hat, has the room roaring its approval, but as he devils into more guitar-heavy and melodic tracks such as Limits Lie from 2014's Carry On The Grudge, the energy notably drops. That's not the fault of the singer-songwriter or his band, but it seems this facet of his sound isn't necessarily what the well-lubricated crowd signed up for. I thought people were leaving tea jokes at one point, having mistaken the toilets and the bars as the side of the room for exits. I thought it was going quite well. It's clear to see the Londoner is in his element back on stage joking with his band that the true measure of love and friendship is being willingly to play the ukulele on stage. A two-song acoustic interlude is punctuated by some brief technical issues ahead of Salivander, which is dedicated to Glass Vegas before some more new songs get an airing. Album highlight A Million and One New Ways to Die is delivered with a punk blast which reaches all the way to the back of the room, as is Between the Rocks, but it's notable that 368 from second album Kings and Queens is what really has the crowd jumping. This is our last song, T tells the crowd before launching into the furious version of If You've Got the Money, and from here on out, it's a sea of limbs on the floor. He and the band return for an encore, featuring arguably his three best hits. The intro to Sheila draws the biggest roar of the night so far, with the crowd belting back every line of the iconic takedown of toxic masculinity. Well done, Jack. Glug down that cider. You're right, she's a slut, and you never F-word liked her. T gives up vocal duties together on the chorus of Sticks and Stones, allowing the room to take over before Zombie Sparks, a mosh pit in the centre of the floor, and 2,500 people are sent home sweaty and elated. Despite his earlier PC, the singer-songwriter loves delivering the unexpected releases, what he wants, when he wants, and is evidently not in the business of playing to people's expectations. That he can take so many people with him on the journey is commendable, even if a good slice of tonight's crowd clearly want nothing but the hits. And that article was by Gabriel Mackay. From Glasgow Evening Times, Wednesday the 9th of November 2022, from the news section. Glasgow volunteer who overcame tragedy wins UK awards by Anna Thotheringham. 
A selfless Denison woman was named Scotland's Volunteer of the Year at a prestigious national awards ceremony. Sophie Ross, whose life was turned upside down when her mum died in 2013, triumphed at the Help Force Champions Award, which celebrates exceptional healthcare volunteers from across the UK. The 31-year-old NHS 24 call handler urged others to remember support is out there during the difficult times. It's really hard when you need help but don't know where to get it. I know what that feels like, said Sophie. That's why I do lots of talks to get that message across. Whatever is happening in your life, there will always be someone that can help you. For me, it was the Prince's Trust. In 2018, after being unemployed for six years, Sophie started to volunteer before applying for the Prince's Trust NHS 24 course. She was successful and at the end of the course got a job as a call handler. Sophie is also a young ambassador for the Prince's Trust Scotland, taking part in fundraising activities and giving talks to help other young people realise they are not alone. Most recently, she volunteered at Glasgow Royal Infirmary, delivering patients' bags up to restricted visiting wards and bringing laundry back down to loved ones when restrictions were in place and this gave patients on the wards a valuable links with their families. Sophie admitted life had not always been straightforward after her mum's death, but added, my mum was always helping people, but she suffered from her mental health throughout her life. This is why I continue to raise awareness by talking about my own struggles. I am not proud of parts of it, but by telling my story, I can help one person overcome any struggle. That's all that matters. Sadly, Sophie could not attend the London ceremony, but fellow volunteers at the Prince's Trust collected her award on her behalf. I was sad not to go, but so delighted to have won. It hasn't really sunk in, she said. I don't do what I do for awards, but it is really lovely to have been recognised in this way. Judges at Helpforce said Sophie's compassion for helping others oozes out of her and added she has such a passion for volunteering, never saying no to a challenge or a new role if that benefits the community. She recently spoke at the Scottish Parliament representing NHS volunteering. Carly Starling of NHS 24 added, I'm sure Sophie's mum would be so proud to see that young woman she has become and how selfless she is. And that article was by Anne Fotheringham. From Glasgow Evening Times, Wednesday the 9th of November 2022, from the news section. Project underway to reimagine the future of Glasgow's Golden Z by Deborah Anderson. IT was the envy of towns and cities across the country as Glasgow's Golden Z lured shoppers to a retail experience like no other. From the high street names on Sucky Hall Street to the designer stores on Buchanan Street and the fashion giants of Argyll Street, it was a massive success story for the city. However, even before the pandemic, the edges of the Golden Z were beginning to come undone. Sucky Hall Street was impacted by two major fires and earlier this year, Marks and Spencers closed its doors. At the other end of the retail link, Debenham's department store closed and there are now plans to demolish the flagship Buchanan Gallery shopping mall. However, now a project is underway to reimagine the future of the city centre's Golden Z at the heart of Glasgow's retail core. The City Council has appointed a Glasgow-based consultant team compromising Stantec 360 Architecture and Kevin Murray Associates to create a new vision and plan for the area in and around the three streets. 
It is in part of a proactive response to the post-pandemic challenges and opportunities facing the city centre. Landowners, businesses, institutions, agencies, residents and visitors will be involved in the collaborative process to consider how the area, currently defined as the Golden Z, should improve in the future as a place for all. Councillor Angus Miller, conveyor for the city centre recovery at Glasgow City Council said, The Golden Z of Sucky Hall Street, Buchanan or Gyle Street has traditionally been the retail's heart of Glasgow. But changes in the sector mean that action has to be taken to ensure that the area continues to thrive in the future. The vision and action plan for the area will be informed by local businesses and residents as well as developers and invest and guide its development in the years to come. The project will look at the impact of changing retail and leisure trends, growing city centre living and the need to repurpose vacant sites and buildings as well as the potential contribution of significant future redevelopment proposals such as the Buchanan Galleries and St Enoch Centre. Funded by the Scottish Government City Centre Recovery Fund, it will be overseen by Glasgow City Centre Task Force, co-chaired by Councillor Angus Miller and Stuart Patrick, Chief Executive of the Glasgow Chambers of Commerce. Preparation of the new plan will run from until the end of March 2023, The first stakeholder workshops are being planned for late November at the Lighthouse, with further information on how to take part to follow. Professor Brian Evans, Glasgow's urbanist, said the pandemic coupled with the climate emergency and Brexit had a major impact on the city centres. He added, this important and timely piece of work will establish ambitious investment, design and development principles for the heart of Glasgow City Centre to help to recover and enhance its role as the economic and cultural epicentre of the metropolitan city region. Stuart Patrick, Chief Executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, said Glasgow City Council's Master Planning Initiative is a welcome investment helping to rebuild the area's reputation of being Scotland's premier place to work, live and visit. Meanwhile, A £5.8 million project to rejuvenate one of Glasgow's busiest streets will get underway next year. The Glasgow City Region Cabinet approved the public realm work on Byers Road, which will begin in January 2023. It is hoped that the work will rejuvenate the quality of the Byers Road streetscape and public realm to create a people-focused place with a pedestrian experience, enhance the economic vibrancy of the shops and services, and make the area more cycle and environmental friendly. The first phase of these works, Patrick Cross to University Avenue, will begin in January 2023 and be completed by summer 2024. The second phase of these works will between University Avenue and Great Western Road, will be delivered under a separate contract and will commence following completion of the first phase. Among the changes will be the introduction of the 20 mile per hour speed limit, reducing the width of the carriageway and removing number of on-street parking bays to create additional pedestrian cycling space, widening and upgrading of footpaths to make pedestrian movement along the street more relaxed and enjoyable and to reduce the width of crossing points. John Turner, chair of Byers Road and Lane Businesses Information District, said that they were very pleased that after the considerable delays caused by the pandemic, the plan improvements to Byers Road would be finally be getting underway in early 2023. He said, we are eagerly awaiting the completion of the works and trust that they will enhance Byers Road in its position as a top destination.
and that article was by Deborah Anderson. From the Glasgow Evening Times, Wednesday the 9th of November 2022, from the news section. What is on the Greg's Christmas menu and when is it available? By Amelia Kettle. One of the nation's favourite bakeries, Greg's, has today launched its Christmas menu for 2022. The festive-themed range will include a range of favourites making their return, including very popular festive bake. The Pigs Under Blanket Baguette, £3.50, is also making its return, which has all the trimmings of a roast from pork sausages, onion and sage stuffing, bacon and cranberry sauce. Greg's also catered for vegan diets with a vegan turkey-free and stuffing baguette, £3.50. That's made with tasty sage and onion-planted goujons, onion gravy and cranberry sauce. New to the festive menu is the Christmas lunch soup, £2.30, made with diced smoked bacon, pork sausages, turkey, sage, chicken and onion stuffing and vegetables. It's a perfect blend of a Christmas dinner. You can also get your hands on a range of hot drinks to keep you warm during the winter months. The likes of a salted caramel latte, mint hot chocolate and mint mocha are all available nationwide and the prices start at 2 30 When does the festive bakes return to Greg's? Of course the fan favourite festive treat. The festive bake will be also making its long-awaited return to Glasgow menus. With a planned release date of Thursday the 10th of November in all bakeries nationwide. The festive bake 1.80 is made from crumbled top pastry and filled with pieces of cooked chicken, sage and onion stuffing, sweet cured bacon and covered in a creamy sauce and cranberry sauce. The vegan festive bake 1.80 is also returning with its massive success during 2021 launch. All items will be available in Greg's nationwide from November 10th. And that article is by Amelia Kettle. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.